Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers, turned internet friends, turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Hey, Rick. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey. We got three of us here. I feel like an honorary hottie. You are. It's the yes. ultimate crossover. <laughs> what are we calling this? The Hot, Hot Young, Young Survivor's, Survivor's Guide? Guide? <laughs> I love that. I think it's a working cool. title, but it might end up at the end. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. We all need to survive and we all need to try to stay hot and young. So (laughs) (laughs) sign me up. (laughs) Okay. So this is going to be fun. We have been like behind the scenes friends for a long time. And like, I think it's been so awesome, Rick, that you've been like a great person to bounce ideas off of as we kind of are newer to the podcast world and you're more of the veteran. And I've been a long time fan. I've been a long time fan of you guys as well. So I remember you've been one of our biggest, one of our biggest supporters, and one of the biggest reasons why we decided to come back to the show was your like support and encouragement mm-hmm. at Vegas Market, and which was already January of 2022. Like that oh, seems my. a long time ago. Like that's right. But you planted the seed when we were there, and then I think you asked and if we were going to come back, and then. I didn't say no. And I Rebecca was like, Rebecca was like, that wasn't a hard no. Like she was like stoked. And so it was like, she shortly scheduled a call right after and was like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, but it wasn't like, um, are you going to come back? It was more like you're coming back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was an, it was One an expected the... question. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I love what you guys do. And I love that there are, you know, so many different podcasts out there. There's so many different ways to deliver this information and inspiration, and we all do it differently. And I'm glad that there's a bunch of us, and I think there needs to be a hundred more of us so that we can mm-hmm. really get this message of community and support out to the entire design community. So I love what you guys are doing. I think it's great. Same. And there's just so much damn information in this industry and so many <laughs> ways to like approach being a designer. Yeah, I I totally agree. There are so many different, the, the, the business of design is so damn diverse. And I, I think when people get into it, they think they're signing up for something very specific. And then you realize, mm-hmm. oh, this is my business of design. Like mm-hmm. I have to create this. I have to lead. I'm in charge. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, now what? How do I do this? And who's here to support me? No one. Or us. <laughs> no one or, and us. <laughs> or you're not finding the voice of someone who you connect with or identify with. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of designers is they're like, I don't know who to look to who is kind of close to what I'm thinking of or what I'm imagining for my business. And so that can leave you feeling like lost at sea of not having anyone else to observe and know that it can work out the way you're planning it to. Yeah, I really felt that in the beginning when I started that I didn't relate to a lot of the super buttoned up professional (laughs) design businesses. Not that I don't want to be professional, but 
Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I could stay me and work within my own brain patterns. And that's the beauty of this business is that, you know, you can be you and you can have your own business. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to emulate someone else, but we do all need to be somewhat on the same page when it comes to the basics, you know, productivity, mm-hmm. profitability, those type of things, because, it, you know, generally speaking, the, uh, our consumer base out there, they have a certain expectation that we all have to fulfill collectively. Or like change the thinking around, like there's some <laughs> misnomers and misconceptions around designers that I think we can all work together to elevate or change. I agree. I totally agree. So we are just going to kind of interview each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think not it's it's possible that not all of our listeners have listened to Rick's show or vice versa. Um Rick, do you want to start by telling the hotties a little bit about you and the Design Biz Survival Guide? Yeah, for sure. So, um my name is Rick Campos. I'm the host and founder of Design Biz Survival Guide, which is a podcast about life and business for interior design professionals. Uh, I'm a self-proclaimed recovering interior designer. So I've been in the business for about 15 years, Uh, 12 of those years, 13 of those years, I was professionally designing. Um, I ran my own business and then I ran someone else's business for six years before I traded in my measure tape uh, for a microphone and started this podcast. And my goal was really to provide information and inspiration to other designers who were running their own design business and needed some guidance. I really want to be that resource that I didn't have when I launched my own business. So uh, I've been doing the podcast for four years now, and I also do uh, business consulting. I've been doing that for three years, and that's uh, that's it. That's me in a nutshell. Uh, tell us about yourselves because my listeners are going to want to know what you guys are all about. I think the first premise is that uh, I'm Sean Serha, and I'm the owner and founder of Renstead Interiors. And in the Hot Young Designers Club, I'm your gay best friend that you never knew that you needed. I'm Rebecca Plum. I run the studio Studio Plum in Sacramento, California. And I'm the older big sister that you may or may not <laughs> That you wanted. resent, but know that she's right a lot. <laughs> so good to have you right there with an arm reach, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm also a good listener. Sean's actually kind of yeah, like so a mean. I'm, I can definitely be too. the sassy, sassy friend who who like pulls everyone back to reality. But I think that's the premise of the show. We started Hot New Designers Club um, right at the beginning of the pandemic. In our first episode came out in April 2020, and it was like it just came together. And since then, we've explored the practical, the emotional, the logistical, the humorous side of being designers with this lens of we just want to be helpful like we just want other designers to find um, a shoulder to cry on or someone with an extra idea that they didn't have time to think of or just like give them something else that you know is a little we're a little less formal most of the time but ultimately I ultimately I think we should just always say we're not that hot or that young. That is just like a state of mind. It's this part of the joke. About like, <laughs> I mean, 
It's part of the show. We're in on the show, guys. No. But but also we like to use like automation and technical tools and try to like stay a little bit ahead of things. You so guys are very ahead of the curve. Um, you know what I like about your podcast? Cause like, you know, we all do it differently. And so my podcast, it's pretty consistent. It's, it's relatively structured, although I tend to go off the rails from time to time, but I always bring it home. I have these three signature questions that I ask at the end. And it's really about, you know, my guest's journey in design and what I love about your podcast is that, A, it's so different than mine and everyone else's because who wants to hear the same conversation in the same podcast episode over and over and over? So when I tune into your podcast, it really is kind of that little, that, that session with your friends where you're like, what the hell? You know, and you could just like <laughs> say whatever you want to say. And, and it's like, <laughs> let's talk solutions in a minute, but let me just get this out. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> And yes. I, I, I like that because designers yeah. need that too. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they just need a calm voice and other times they just need a little bit session and listen. Yes. Yeah. And we, that's how, that's honestly how it started. And that's how I talked Sean into doing it is we had met earlier that year, weirdly, yeah. was like a long time ago, but we um, were talking literally daily because we finally like found someone to connect with and have those bitch sessions or conversations or questions like I'm lost with this and we were doing it for hours every day (laughs) we were at the very like early January 2020 (laughs) it wasn't like that busy yet like we each had projects but we weren't overwhelmed also you know like little did we know what was in store for us but right I know but it was like it reminded me of starting college and meeting new friends and you just can't stop talking all the time so that was like I hadn't had it since then so that's document this we need to we need to convert this put it on the air because it's helpful to us and that's what I've always thought too I always say when people ask me why did you start the podcast and I always say because I spent years and years and years having conversations with industry professionals and industry partners and all types of people about the business of design and at the end of that conversation I always wish that there was more people in the room that could benefit from it. So mm-hmm. I think that the podcast was such a yeah. perfect solution to that because now every conversation that I have is available for anyone to listen to. And so um, that's the beauty of podcasting. But listen, you guys met online, right? And yeah, we met through Instagram. Met in person in right. Vegas. Yep. We had a little and Vegas you've been inseparable ever since. Inseparable. But even when we we weren't recording episodes, (laughs) I was still going to Sacramento or Rebecca was coming to Los Angeles. And so we were still seeing each other, even when like airtime had paused or we had to spread out our publishing schedule because we got so busy. Like we were still having those side conversations. We were still on Marco Polo and text and like. And Marco Polo. Marco Polo is like our. If you guys aren't on Marco Polo with folks, the other busy folks, I feel like that's the best place because you're literally just dropping a video message. You get to it when you get to it. It's not yeah. like there's no immediacy. We have patterns that we like to follow pretty much, but um, like he'll leave me a message in the morning. I might not get to it till later that day. So it's it's worked really well. We talk every day along with our friend Claire, who's- Listen, I think everybody needs a designer bestie. So I love that concept. Uh, you know, we all need someone. And if yeah. you have that person, well, you have us. <laughs> You've yes. got us. Do you, 
this this just made me think I never thought of this do you think that this industry is way more maybe emotionally complicated than others I never thought of needing this when I was a graphic designer actually um and when you compare our industry to other industries do they all need as much support as we do? Like, are they making these same efforts to create podcasts and provide consulting and community and that sort of thing? Like, do they need it as much as we do? I've never really thought about it that way. I mean, I know some do, but I, it's like a necessity for me to survive this industry. I did not feel that as a graphic designer, maybe I had coworkers, but still, I don't feel like we bitched about things as much or like different approaches as much. Yeah, I will say that you can't, I don't think anybody can do this alone. The business of design really is pretty complicated and complex. And Mm -hmm. it is very emotional just because of the amount of ourselves that we give to our clients. And also because of that creative energy that we're contributing to every project, like that's very personal. We own that. It's Mm -hmm. something that has to come from within. So we have to be inspired Mm -hmm. to produce that and then translate it to our clients. And it can be pretty exhausting. So yeah, you know, you're right. Before this, I was in the automotive industry and I really didn't need anyone. I just showed up to work every day and did my thing. Um, But in this business, yeah, (laughs) I definitely feel like I needed the support of a community, which is why community is so important to me now. And doing what we're doing now is so valuable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every project takes hundreds to thousands of people that we never even see between vendors and suppliers and mills and everyone who's helping everything come together. And I I don't know that like every industry doesn't always have that same level of like interconnectedness and also so many like make or break, you know, failure points that could happen across the line of a project. So I think that that definitely feels for me, it feels really like you have to live in the, I'm okay with things being out of my control, which is hard (laughs) for me, but it's learning to live with how much I'm out of control, how much I have influence over, and then how much I actually can control and like really leaning into the stuff that I can control. And part of it is like having a community, being able to know that this is normal, being able to ask other people, does that sound right? Like I need that reassurance, even if I know how I can navigate through it. It's like, you don't want to feel like you're repeating the same stuff over and over when you don't have to. Right. Yeah. And I also think it's the requirement of wearing so many hats that don't necessarily (laughs) fit us. I'm like a pretty tried and true creative mind. So putting on a salesman hat, I can do that. But there's also Mm -hmm. some like emotional and like pumping up that I need to do to feel confident putting on my accounting hat. (laughs) Ill fit. Ugliest hat ever. (laughs) That hat is that hat does not fit well. So, but I have to do it until I can afford to get help. So it's like, how do I negotiate that? Yeah, we don't have an accounting Uh, department or an HR department. You know what I mean? (laughs) Doing everything. No, we don't. At least most. Most of us don't. We got to do it all in a complicated way. Like as a graphic designer, it was straight service. Like this is my service I'm providing, but there's no, there was back in the print days there were, but there normally aren't tangible goods that you need to like navigate and figure out and make profit of and get the taxing right. And yeah, 
all that. So Rick on your show, you have talked to a lot of designers because your show is on design biz survival guide. It's mainly around the interviews and being able to like get new information and talk to designers about their experiences. Are there some things that you, that maybe like everyone would be surprised that all those designers have in common that they're all sharing something similar? You know, I would, I would say that most designers, they all struggle with the same things. Um, the, the big picture things, the obvious things like developing competitive pricing, time management, attracting the right clients, things like that. I think what we may not realize about each other until you hear it through conversation is, um, is some more internal things that, uh, that contribute to the growth and success of our business. Uh, specifically success and our definition of success. So I talk about mm -hmm. this a lot on my podcast and I'll be talking about it a lot more because it was a big, it was a pivotal moment for me in my career. Uh, I think identifying and defining my definition of success really changed everything for me. And so I always challenge designers to do the same for themselves because a lot of times if they're talking about, you know, I can't seem to attract the right clients or my business isn't profitable, uh, my team, there's no stability internally within my office. Um, what is causing all of this? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like that concept of why. I think designers need to spend a little more time asking themselves why and defining their own definition of success and what's important to them and mm -hmm. their business instead of what society is telling us or what social media is telling us. And so I think more designers need to ask themselves questions like, um, you know, what is important to me? If I check these boxes every day or every week or every month, I can say in all honesty, you know, I'm a success. I killed it today. And, and mm -hmm. those things can be anything. Um, so, you know, for example, like I said earlier, the beauty of being in, an entrepreneur is that we can develop our own business and our own schedule. And so that we can focus on things that are priority to ourselves, like being home for our kids. You know, if that's a priority to you, if that's your definition of success is dropping your kids off at school and then busting ass all day and then wrapping it up at three 30 to pick them up and spending the rest of the day with your kids. If that's your definition of success, you should own that. No one should tell you that that's, that that's not hustle. That's, mm -hmm. that's hustle at a level that you like can't even counts. understand. I can't, yeah. I don't have kids, but that's just my example. <laughs> I it's can only imagine, really you know, so, <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it comes down even, even about money. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, what do you need? What do you want? What's important to you? You want to generate yeah. six figures every year and you want to pay yourself $85,000 a year. If to you, that's your definition of success, it's going to make you happy and, and you're going to feel good about yourself, then that's what you should be shooting for. You don't need to shoot for a seven-figure business and paying yourself $250,000 a year. You're going to run yourself ragged. And is it really important to you? Is that really yeah. important to you? So it's, it's stuff like that that I think, um, you know, designers need to be asking themselves, um, you know, even down to the type of clients that you work with and the type of services that you provide. Maybe you want to um, contribute to one charitable project every year. Why not? If that makes you feel good. And if that's going to make you, you know, wake up in the morning, excited to go to the office, that's the mindset that you need to be in. So yeah, everybody's definitions of success is going to be different, 
but I think it needs to be very, very personal. And we need to kind of shut out the noise. Notice how mm. none of those examples had anything to do with Range Rovers or the number of followers on Instagram. <laughs> it had nothing to do with that. And if that's important to you, then you know maybe you can add that to your list. But I would challenge you to dig a little deeper and, and focus on things, like I said, that make you sleep well at night and make you want to get up in the morning and just get to work as soon as you can. Yeah. Money is like only one facet of that question. Like it's, it's not the answer to anything. It's, it's only like a means to the thing that you want. And it's not the only thing that's going to help us feel like, I don't know. I don't want to be, I left a career. I left a 13 year banking career because I knew that it wasn't right. And I went back to design school because I knew that career wasn't right. And I lived through that already of like being unfulfilled from something and thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to die at my desk. Like, (laughs) I don't want to be here one day where everyone goes, Oh, ask the lifer. He's been at this bank forever. Like, I don't want (laughs) to tell everyone about all the different mergers and acquisitions we went through over 45 years. Like I did not want that to be me. So it really did like forcibly shift what, where my priorities are and what was important when I moved to design, because like I had to, I didn't have that same job. I didn't have that same check, the same bonuses. I didn't have the same time, you know, in my life anymore. Like everything switched dramatically. Um, And so it's like good to take a look back and realize like, what didn't you like that you don't want to keep doing in your business? And what do you want to have more of now that you get like a taste of it? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, for me, I definitely left an industry and I was a, I was a partner in a advertising marketing design business and I got super burnt out for a variety of reasons, but I knew that I wanted to just try something completely new. I was in my forties. It was terrifying, but I had the support of my husband and my family and I just knew I had to try it. So I, I mean, the first few years were very rough financially. So I will say having no income is not <laughs> I will have to agree with that. <laughs> From personal experience, um, that is very demoralizing, even though like if somehow I didn't need the money, I would do this job for free 100%, but like we need money. And um, so now that I'm like kind of finding a better balance between having a more comfortable income and still being able to do the parts of this job that I love and fulfill me creatively, I think that's like, those are the levers that I keep playing with. Like, how can I find that balance? And I think it might change every day. Like today I'm going <laughs> to hustle and get paid tomorrow. I'll play with the pretty colors. Well, let's bring the, let's bring the podcast <laughs> into the mix now. So, you know, what role yeah. does the podcast for you guys play in that list? Like what box does it check? How does producing this podcast fulfill you and, and fit into your personal definition of success. We've talked about this a lot because it's sort of not fulfilled sometimes. So we've had to figure out why are we doing this? Because this does not feed our individual right. businesses. Like the audience podcast. of designers aren't like, going to come and hire us like as design- designers. They're, that That's not no. like the goal for any of that. 
So I think, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, it's, it's a, it started as that way of like baking in colleagues in like the water cooler that I did really, really miss. Um, I always had trusted coworkers or business partners that were in on the behind the Mm -hmm. scenes level with me that maybe the emotional support wasn't as required as this job is, but it still was needed. Um, And I just think like, it's been an experiment. I think we've all talked about this. I come from an industry that had a lot of distrust, like advertising, like it's very competitive. People do not open each other's doors and help each other. Like it's just not. So Sean and I have had this experiment of what if we shared (laughs) everything? Very (laughs) vulnerable. Like technically, I guess we're competitive. Yeah. Like what if we just didn't hold anything back? What if we shared all the documents that we use and run and help each other and improve them with each other? What if we talk about like all the crappy stuff and the yeah vulnerable things? How would that make us feel? And it's, it's really liberating, honestly, to like, it's almost like what the closest thing I can imagine it is. It's like, if you have a secret for a really long time, and it starts to take over your life. Like it starts to be like, I have to constantly keep this up. Mm-hmm. I have to lie to people and build stories around it and hide something. And it it's, and then suddenly you don't have to hide that anymore. Like there's no more secrets. You can tell everyone, you can share all of it. It's all out there. And then suddenly it loses its, like the lie, the secret loses its power over you. It's now rendered harmless like there's nothing it can do it's just a little squeaky thing in the corner of the room that's running away and so I feel like the pressure of our industry and this idea of what we think other successful designers look like or the projects they're getting and all of that like the podcast the hot young designers club has really helped me put those things in perspective and realize that all of this weight I'm bearing, all of these expectations I've put on myself, all of these comparisons from other designers, they have no, they don't have power over me anymore. I've, I've no, I no longer let them hold themselves over me because I've had the, the fortunate place to find a community of designers and it's only grown exponentially. And we're shocked by, I mean, a lot of stuff makes it in um, to our interviews with other designers on the show, Mm -hmm. but a lot of stuff doesn't. And it's shocking how so many designers are experiencing so many of the same challenges and frustrations. And it's very grounding for me to hear that. And not in like a, I'm so happy they're also struggling way, (laughs) like in a, (laughs) in a like, oh, thank God it's not just me. Like there's something about when that is all transparent and clear that it's so freeing to realize that I can then go back to thinking about the fun parts of my business, the creative parts, the inspiring parts, because I'm not letting these other little things build up on me emotionally anymore. Yeah. I mean, it just feels good to share. I mean, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't you want to do that? And so I agree with you, Sean, like that's just a mindset that we need to get ourselves into and it shouldn't be that difficult. <laughs> I think naturally, yeah. <laughs> naturally, we want to share, we want to teach, we want to inform. Um, I just think that's, that's natural, that's innate in us specifically, which is why we're doing what we're doing. 
And I, I'm, I was curious, I'm thank you for sharing how much of an impact that has on your day to day and obviously your definition of success. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we brought it up because I think we've all, for Rebecca and I, we've learned a lot about it over the years. So it's, it's still forming. I don't think that, I think if you came back and did the same, if we had the same conversation, like four more years <laughs> into the podcast, <laughs> it would still sound very different. Like, because we're just constantly changing and growing and evolving and is the same like imposter syndrome is across every Mm -hmm. everyone feels it at some point Mm -hmm. some people feel it all the time but everybody feels it so you just have to hear those words and the recognition in each other that some of the feelings are just normal you just need to like live with them or get better at ignoring them or Mm -hmm. or expose yourself to conversations like these because for me they help put me back in the right place because listen, I don't have it all together. Imposter syndrome is a reoccurring theme in my life. And it may sound like, oh yeah, I've got it all together and I live a very simple life and I just want to help everyone. And it's not about the cars and it's not about the money. Well, uh, call bullshit, go ahead. Because some days I do get distracted and it's like, hey, oh man, you know, that's a sweet ride. I'd like that. Or, you know, hey, you know, they're, they're on vacation in Europe right now. That looks fancy. I wish I was there. Like, you know, I, I'm still human. But I always come back to, I could do that if I want to. I could get that car if I wanted it. But what box would it check? Like, would it really fulfill me? Like, how is that contributing to me and just how I feel about myself? You know? Fully. Well, of course. And then what there's are you always giving that. Up to get there's it. always that. You always have to be willing to make that sacrifice to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. And I would way rather sacrifice whatever it is to just live comfortably and sleep well at night and be excited every day and have conversations like this with you guys than to you know, have that Maserati and then have to work like a dog every day and get my ass beat up by clients and not be able to have these conversations and to contribute you know, in a bigger picture to mm-hmm. our design community. Like that would make me sad. I lived that life and it wasn't good for me. I like this life much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we each are, we each have to decide what the individual choices are and what Definitely. feels good. You know, I think because so. we're talking about this idea of like we're changing and we're growing, and I like Rick. I can you share a little bit more about your observations about how designers are elevating themselves or what what they can do to elevate themselves as they're growing in their careers? Yeah, I mean, in my experience, I'm finding that designers are being very strategic and they're and they're investing in themselves a lot more um we all fly by the seat of our pants when we're mm-hmm. launching a business and then as we're running a business and as we're growing the business we're just always flying by the seat of our pants and it's crazy and i i think the only way to really elevate your business and get it to that next level is you got to step back and take a breath and reinvest in yourself and you know invest in things like continued education and, and tools to help you grow your business. There's so much opportunity out there and you can really just never stop learning, you know, cause I, I think like the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop growing. Mm-hmm. So you always have to, as crazy as it sounds, cause I know how busy we are as designers, you've got to make the time, you've got to prioritize and find the time to reinvest in yourself, in your own education, in your own growth and in your own business. 
And it can be as simple as, you know, when you're going to Las Vegas market or high point, yeah, you're going there to shop, you're going there to be inspired, take two hours and go to a continued education seminar or listen mm -hmm. to a panel discussion and just learn something that you can immediately apply to your business. You know, take advantage of some of the opportunities that are out there locally. Um, and then also personally, like we all need to recharge our batteries and take a break. So do it. Like don't neglect yourself of that, you know, vacation to Europe because A, you need to recharge your batteries and B, it's good for you and your business to expose yourself to something like that. It's going to help you creatively. It's going to make you more relatable to your clients. So there's all kinds of benefits, you know, to that. So I think designers are spending a lot more time not trying to justify the things that are important to them, you know, and their business to help get them to that next level. You've got to find a way, you know, to fit that in. Yeah, think of it, thinking, thinking of it as an totally. investment is really smart. I, the most, the biggest leaps I've taken in my careers have mm. always come <laughs> after vacations. It's really weird. Like things will just, like, even if I'm not like thinking about it, which I usually am not, but it'll just like, I'll come back and the clarity hits you like, like, oh, whoa, this has to change just like this. And boom. Yeah. I can say the same thing. Place. I think I've had some of my biggest epiphanies, you know, on major vacations like that, which makes my husband a little bit nervous, but, <laughs> but, you know, it allowed me the time to really, really think and, and prioritize and say, you know, this is what I want to do. And this is what I need to do to get to this place. You know, yeah. sometimes you just need to detach and, and focus on that because, you know, that's, I think we're operating off mm -hmm. of momentum so much during our week, like Preach. the momentum of hustle yeah. and the next thing and the list. And then you, it's just like the inertia of it all. Like we need to stop it. So we're like, okay, I'm stopped. Now which direction? Yeah. Because I, I think Sean, and also to answer your question, I'll give you an example. Um, I speak to a lot of designers who want to take their business um, to that next level. They want to cross over into a more luxury market. That's, that's sure. very common when I speak with designers that a lot of times, one of their priorities is to kind of take it up a notch, really focus on uh, attracting luxury clients and investing themselves in uh, creating and producing luxury projects. In order to, the, uh, speaking of the momentum, Rebecca, you can't just let your business take you there. You can't just be like, I'm working hard, I'm working hard, and this is really going great. So eventually I'm going to get to that place. You need to take it to that place. Like yeah. It requires effort from you. Yeah. So you need to stop and recalibrate to get your business to that level. You can't just rely on the momentum. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and a lot of designers are shocked. Like this feels like I'm starting my business over again. And I say, cause you kind of are starting your business over again. Yeah. And it's guess a different what? Kind. Yeah. And you're probably going to do it two or three more times. If this is your career, if you're a lifer in this, you're probably going to do this two or three more times. And I think the people that kind of embrace that mentality are the ones that really take it there. And listen, this business, I say it all the time, you can make a bucket of money in this business. I'm so tired of hearing designers say, you know, well, I'm just, I'm kind of satisfying. I'm kind of settling. I mean, listen, I'm a designer. I can only make X, Y, Z. No, now I call bullshit. You can make <laughs> as much as you want. This is just like any other business, but you have to reinvest in getting yourself there. Yeah. 
Yeah. One of, I had a really good mentor at one point in my banking career who said, whenever you feel comfortable, that means it's time to change. Like it's time to grow or change or do something else because you've sort of like reached your equilibrium. And like, again, like going back to what you were saying is we don't, none, we don't get better if we don't continue to change and grow and learn. We never learn our new limits. I, four and a half years ago, I never would have thought that my business could be doing what it's doing right now. I never even put that out there. It was one of those, it would be nice if, or that wouldn't that be cool. Um, And so I think that's one of those ideas of as soon as we get comfortable, we've all adjusted and grown, we learned enough. And then we got to like the new sort of plateau. And I don't, I won't be happy in that zone. I'll never be happy on that plateaued zone. I'm always, as much as I don't like it, I'm going to go find the next challenge, the next thing that's going to push my boundaries and make me uncomfortable and make me test my limits. Like it's always, it's going to find its way in here no matter what. And I think a lot of tenacious designers and entrepreneurs are the same way. They're never going to be happy even when it does slow down finally, or it gets quiet. They're going to find the next thing. That infinite game. Yeah. I think, and I think what's been, I mean, you're making me think like, oh shit, my problem is not finding new things to do all the time. So I think it's been really helpful to know more. I've learned so much about like my own mm-hmm. personality and motivations in this industry because. I know not everybody wants to know about this, but I'm an Enneagram seven. I, I love a new challenge. I love that new, new. I have so many ideas. Like I could create a new business every freaking week and I can't like, that's been my challenge. Serial entrepreneur, you know, (laughs) editing. Yeah. Like editing it down to the things that I need to just focus on right now and giving myself permission to like evolve later. (laughs) Change like Sean's like, okay, yeah, no more ideas. Let's tackle the first 10 and then we'll come back to these 25 more a little bit later. (laughs) But that's where we're all super different and need to like recognize our own brain patterns and chemistries and um, motivation. So guys, I have signature questions, <clears throat> excuse me. I have signature questions in my podcast and we're, I'm going to try and weave them in here the best that I can. I sure. always ask, um, what is the secret to your survival in this business of design, which is perfect for this conversation of hot young survivors club. And then I also offer, <laughs> what's the one thing, you know, now that you wish you knew then. So you can each pick one of those questions and answer it. Who wants to go with secret of survival and who wants to tell us the one thing you know now that you wish you knew then when you started? I'm not, I'm not drawn to either one, like specifically, Rebecca, like if you have one that you're like, I know exactly what I want to talk about. Like, what a gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. That's his way of saying like my husband, like, I don't care what, I don't care what we have for dinner. (laughs) I mean, I do have an answer immediately ready. I'm never short for words. That's true. So do that um, one, do that one. I'm going to say this and Rebecca already knows this, but a secret to my survival is boundaries. Like (laughs) <laughs> here we go it's, there's just for me it's 
it's really leaning in to my limits and knowing, oh, I'm not going to schedule meetings on Fridays with clients because that is the worst day to have my best attention span. And they're never going to have the great experience. And I'm also not going to schedule them in the evenings because I'm at my lowest energy in that time of day. And I know other designers are like, oh yeah, mornings are bad for me. If someone wants to do a six o'clock meeting with me, I'm going to do it because I'm zinged up. And I just think that for me, it's been learning what are my limits? Like, oh, that's going to lead to overwhelm for me. I'm not going to do that consistently. Or that's considered an exception of my rules when I don't do something. Um, and it's not even just to, to clients. I think it's also helped learning my boundaries in even design where I'm like, nope, that feels too referential. I don't want to mm. do that. I want, I have to learn a different thing that feels too expected. Like what else could I do? So it's not always like the, I will only work nine to five and I only have one Saturday a month. Like it's not that always, it's also the realizing the boundaries of, Hey, I need like an hour of quiet time in the mornings to just let ideas flow and get them out and talk to some people. Like don't put your meeting at 9am or something. Like those are things that help me learn. And sometimes I don't learn them until I've experimented a few times and I'm like, okay, that's enough. It's the third time I've done that mistake. <laughs> We're no longer going to do that with clients. Like now that's going to be an email, not a phone call, like, or whatever it might be. Um, but I continue to kind of build that around me so I can protect my mental health, my well-being, my free time, you know, my emotional availability for my husband and my family. Like it it helps every time I set a new kind of expectation for myself of we're not going to do it that way again. And you're also helping your client too. Don't forget that because I mean as a consumer, if I was a consumer and you were my designer, and if I said, Hey, I need to meet, let's meet at seven o'clock before I leave for work, before I start my day, I would, I mean. Yes, it's my idea, but that doesn't mean you have to do it. I would appreciate right. it if you said, hey, listen, seven o'clock is not a good hour for me. I am not at my best. I've done this before. It never goes well. I want to be there for you. I want to be at my best. Nine yeah. o'clock is a much better time. If that doesn't work for you, let's find another way to meet so that I'm in a place where I can be of best service to you. Like, Absolutely. I want to hear that as a consumer. I don't want you to reluctantly show up and waste my time and you and, like, not be there. You worst know presentation. I mean? like <laughs> Right, right. I exactly. mean, come on. <laughs> Exactly. All right, Rebecca, you've had time to think about uh, the one thing you know now that you wish you knew then. Yeah, I think when I first started, I was really nervous about my point of view. And I kind of go against the grain of, or so I thought of a lot of the typical design influences that I was seeing. Um, I am a designer who really, really loves color. And I love a lot of like layered color. And I felt some weird, like awkward shame around that. Um, so what I wish that I knew then was that my unique perspective will actually attract clients and the right clients for me. Um, I, you do not have to and shouldn't try to fit in a box because A, the box doesn't even exist. Like you're kind of just making that up and choosing what 
you think everyone wants. It's sort of an excuse. Um, although I do think there are certain design styles that have kind of taken over and I don't, they don't do anything for me, but people love them. So those designers are making a lot of money. They're driving them lots of So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. I am not. Um, but I think it's like your perspective is important and valuable and will take you the places that you want to go mm-hmm. with the people you want to do it with. I agree a hundred percent. Because you know what, just because those designers are driving the Maseratis, they may also be saying, if I have to do one more all white interior space with all linen fabric, I'm going to jump off a bridge. Like they, <laughs> they, they may not want to be showing up for work. I, you know might. what I mean? I, I don't know that, but that could be the case. And do you really want to be in that space? They're going <laughs> to Right? Right? Odds are there's at least one. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's got to be at least one out there who's like ready to make a change or do something different. Right. And also just because you haven't seen it, like a lot of times I do the game with myself of like, I have something in my head and I want to find some kind of version of it on Pinterest or Instagram and like kind of validate my thoughts and I can't find it, but it doesn't mean that my idea isn't worth pursuing because it has Yeah, if anything, that's an incentive to do it. So... Mm. Exactly. So I'm not saying I'm the most inventive designer in the world. It's just like my own version of it in my own market. I just am embracing it and now just going with it. I mean, there's tons of inspiration out there and I get the need for point of reference, but I think we should also always go with our gut, especially creatively, especially creatively. That's why Mm -hmm. we're doing this. You know what I mean? And there's clients that want They do. They want the best from us. You know, if if they wanted what's already out there, they could just, you know, they could emulate it themselves probably. Um, You know, they're relying on us for something fresh and different and special. Yeah. Yeah. They want something different from all of us. I think it's, it's, it's been shocking how many times clients think they know what they want and they're like, oh, I just wish it was a little bit more or like, could we do this one? Could we do this fabric a little brighter or more colorful or, Oh, that's so surprising. What about like when we unlock their sense of like adventure, it's like, Oh, perfect. Like now I can really show them (laughs) the real extreme of my ideas. And if they have to reel me back, great, but at least I can show them the full extent of where we can go. And I think that also relates to like designers and in their businesses is like, once we understand the extremes on either end, we realize, Oh, there's so much further that we can push what we want to do and how we want to accomplish it and everything. Cause we know that we we're, we're not just inventing everything from scratch. There's so much possibility. Which is also takes me back to what is freeing about the idea of having designer besties that you can trust because clients are attracted to each of us for different reasons. Like even though, Sean and Claire and I, there's like of the the Venn diagram of it all. There are some overlaps in mm-hmm. our design styles and things we like, but we're going to attract totally different clients. Everybody needs a designer bestie. So hundred <laughs> percent. So let's talk about so ways cool. that we're promoting that because I, I, 
I like what you guys do. And I want my listeners to know that um, when they listen to your podcast now, they know what they're going to get. This is their introduction uh, to you guys if they haven't listened already. And you guys, if you haven't listened already, go right to iTunes, <laughs> to Young Designers Club, and just check out the conversation because I think it's so fun. But in addition to that, I like what you guys do. I like that you go to markets, that you connect with the design community, and you kind of promote that same kind of, you know, designer bestie that you guys have. Uh, mm-hmm. which is so important. So I appreciate the fact that you guys are all about community. I like what you do. Thank you. We have an episode about this coming up a little bit and where we touch on this a lot, but I think one of our biggest things that we always say is if you're on Instagram, show your face. So a, your clients can get to know you and feel comfortable with you or future clients, but also so others in the industry can recognize you. So that's how we've met so many people is because they recognize us at market and they stop and say hi. And then we have conversations and like Sean just had lunch when someone we met came, at Yeah, Point they came to LA and they were like, oh, I'd love us. to have lunch with you. I'm like, of Across course, like, <laughs> I love that idea. Like, what else am I doing? Yeah, now she's in the circle. I mean, it just keeps growing. I think that's part of the reason too, why the podcast has now grown into our, we kept hearing like designers who are wanting more and we tried coaching for a while and we have since retired coaching for the moment it's now only available within our new community that we built and rick thank you for being one of the first joiners of our patreon community (laughs) um but that's why we built our patreon community was more kind of private discussion versus just like an instagram comment or a, a, a random email but we also wanted other designers to be able to find each other and they can write messages on the boards. They can talk to each other, but we also can connect and find out what they need the most from us or what they're missing that no one is addressing. And the the Patreon has been a way for us to build that community, but it's also helping us grow the community because with a little bit more of some financial support, we're now able to put more of our work out there instead of it just pulling from our free time from our businesses, it, you know, now we're able to provide even more, which there's not always a ton of free time. So <laughs> don't make Sean quit again. So we have our we have three different Patreon tiers that are built around sort of different levels that designers are at. And our mid and high tiers have monthly downloads that we offer, um, which are included in their memberships, but we've also now opened those up to be purchased on our website's resources page. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that designers can get help without obligation, but also we're focused on keeping it really easy for designers to use the tools that we come up with. And so that's, I think the continued path forward for us is this helps us sustain before we started recording, we were talking about how we're looking to bring on like a production editing piece so we can spend more time creating more content, um, because I think that's just one of the things we've learned is designers will continue to absorb and absorb everything they can get a hold of to get better. And we don't want to be the limiting factor of that. We want to continue to create and help Rebecca get all those ideas out there. So, um, and hopefully be able to do more formal in-person events. Rick, I know you do in-person. We would love to be able to do that someday. 
Um, but that like in-person industry events market plus some actual like formal training events I've attended have been a major Yeah, the in-person events are really important to me. Um, it's just so the listeners understand the difference between what I do and what you guys do is that you guys do this podcast and everything that you're doing for the design community on top of your design business. And <laughs> I am not running a design business. This is my full-time <laughs> business. Um, so I commend you for committing to the time it takes to produce the podcast and produce the information and, and get it out there to the design community. That's, that's amazing. So I commend you for that. Um, and, and yeah, so I take it one step further and I do the in-person um, events, which are really important to me and my business because it allows me to connect with listeners from across the country when I go to market and that sort of thing. And then also it allows me to kind of promote uh, the more informational and educational events that I do uh, twice a year. So now that we're out of COVID, sort of, and we can, you know, <laughs> gather uh, a little more freely and travel, you know, uh, my annual retreat, this will be the third year that we've produced it. We're doing it in Orange County this year. And the retreat is a really big part of what I do every year. It takes a lot of planning and a lot of timing. And we keep it to uh, 24 designers. And it really is, it's a two-day opportunity for designers to really bond and connect and communicate with each other, learn information from industry experts. And I can tell you with all certainty that each year, that group of designers, they've left with connections that they would have never had before. And mm -hmm. I mean, I see pictures of them together on Instagram mm -hmm. a week later, a month later, six months later, I see them at market together. They never knew each other before. And so that kind of community yeah. development to me is so important. And so that's a big part of what I do. And they can find more information about that on my on website. Yeah. So registration website. is actually open right now for design biz retreat. Um, and that is coming up in October, October 20th and 21st. And it's a two day event. So everything you need to know about it is going to be on the website, including uh, the amazing speakers and the presentations and topics that we'll be covering. And it's super easy to sign up for. And I keep it simple. I actually register every individual um, registrant or attendee. So when you hit the register button, it actually sends an email to me. And then I open a line of communication and we handle the registration process, no PayPal or any of that nonsense. So for anyone listening, if you are interested and you hear about it on the Hot Young Designers podcast, just mention that you heard about it and I'll hook you up. I'll give you the Hot Young Designer Thank discount. you, Rick. <laughs> Yeah, that's like a nice luxe experience. It's pretty darn nice. Um, I think I set the bar pretty high. And every year I'm like, okay, what have I done? I'm spoiling, <laughs> spoiling you guys. But I, I enjoy it. I enjoy <laughs> delivering that high-end experience. And I, I really want it to be memorable. And so it, it's really a lot of fun. Rick, if um, our hotties are listening and want to find you, they can find Design Biz Survival Guide in their podcasts, all podcast platforms. Um, and where else can they find you? And then the best place, like I said, to learn about me is really on the website, designbizsurvivalguide.com. You can actually listen to every podcast episode there. And then you can learn about my consulting services, retreats, and all kinds of other stuff. So that's really my home base. Oh, and then of course, Instagram, Instagram yep. as well. I'm know. there on Instagram at design biz survival guide. And what about you guys? How can my listeners find you? I mean, the easiest home base is if they head to our Instagram at hot young designers club. 
Um, the link in our bio will take them to our website, which is also hotendesignersclub.com and our Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash HYDC. So everything is linked in our Instagram bio. That's the fastest way to find everything. And uh, we're in all podcast platforms as well. And if you want to find us individually, I'm at Studio Plum on Instagram. Sean is at Renstead Interiors. That's with a W. He, you may recognize him because some of his <laughs> some of those some of those viral. really did have a big <laughs> following. I can't recreate that now, but yeah, you I, were on a roll, dude. They were going. I think I hit the <laughs> algorithm at the right time where they were like very much rewarding new real content and so some of the sassiest ones got the biggest play yeah sean was like the it was like october it hype was. you were like mr reels it's like, weird for it's it's still weird constantly. i'm happy people do it but also like it's not like i'm gonna like one girl was like do the real do the real and i was like <laughs> like it's not like a i pity the fool or something like i'm not gonna like have a I don't have like a line that you know, like, and so then I was realizing I'm like is this what actors go through like is that what the like people are like do the line yes. from that show and you're like do what, what? forever <laughs> like <laughs> so yeah we are both very active on our individual Instagram easy to find well. you guys this has been so much fun I'm glad that we did this I'm quite honored to be asked to be a part of your podcast and I really appreciate you being a part of mine this has been fun thank you so much Thank you so much, Rick. I'm so glad we did this too. Yes. Until next time. Stay hot, designers.